Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, a podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me, if you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, my friend. Welcome to episode three of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. Today, I want to talk to you about elemental magic and incorporating it into your practice. So if elemental magic is brand new to you, go back and listen to episode two, where I talk about their history, basic properties and correspondences, and the ways that the elements play into my practice. Because today we're going to take those concepts and change them into impact. So there are two ways that I use the elements. The first is to craft spells, and the second is to build and stay in tune with my innate power. We're going to talk about both today, and I'm going to walk you through a few examples of how you might incorporate the elements into your everyday spell craft. Now, if you didn't get a copy of my free Elemental Properties Cheat Sheet, go to LilithAmberly.com and sign up for my VIP list. The link is in the show notes. When you sign up, you're not only going to get the free reference sheet, you're going to get my free grounding meditation recording, and you're going to be first on my list to receive any future offers and freebies. Okay, so let's get started with a problem that almost everyone has either experienced or will experience at one point or another in their life. So the issue is that you need to come up with a new idea or ideas to solve a problem, and you just can't come up with a good idea. So maybe the problem that you have to solve is work-related or school-related. It could be a family or personal situation. We're going to say for the sake of this exercise that it's work-related. So there's a process at work that's just not working. Maybe it's not efficient or it's not achieving the outcome that you want. And you've been tasked with fixing it. So how might we approach this? What element might we call in? Perhaps we start with air to help us out. Um, And here's one way how I might approach this. So I'd gather a few supplies um, and they're pretty simple. I'd get a big piece of paper, something to write with, and I would get some incense. And I'd start by mapping out my process on the big piece of paper. So what's actually happening right now? Now this doesn't have to be presentation worthy. You don't have to be a process mapping guru. You just need to write down the steps, draw them, whatever works for you, get it down on paper. So you're going to put the paper on your altar or working surface and light your incense. I might use something like peppermint or rosemary, bergamot, something that's mentally stimulating. Alternatives to incense might be using a diffuser. If you are using incense, of course, take all precautions to prevent fires and be aware of any health problems that might be exacerbated by burning incense or by any particular type of incense. So next we're going to call in air. And I want you to think about what you're going to say before you get started. You're going to write it down so you don't forget and you're not fumbling through it during your ritual. Now, your words don't need to be complex, but they should clearly state what you desire. I like to use the framework for a SMART goal, um, standing for S, specific, M, measurable, A, achievable, R, relevant, and T, time-bound, so a SMART goal. So, for example, I I might say something like, I call upon air to deliver new ideas to improve customer order placement workflow that when implemented will reduce the order placement time to less than five minutes and maintain customer satisfaction scores of five stars by March 1st, 2022. So that might seem a little bit long, but one, it's specific. I'm calling upon air and what I want air to do is to deliver new ideas to me 
to improve this process. And I use the example of a customer order placement process. That when implemented, will reduce order placement time to less than five minutes. So that's measurable. So if I implement this new idea that I get, I want it to be able to reduce the time for a customer to place an order to be under five minutes. And I want to maintain customer satisfaction scores of five stars. So that's important. So I, I don't want to give up customer satisfaction for the sake of time. I want both. So I wanted to be pretty specific there. And that's also measurable. And I want this to happen by March 1st. So it's time bound. It's relevant because I was tasked with doing this. It's part of my job. And I know that this is achievable because I might have looked at the time frame for order placement before this, and maybe it was seven minutes or 10 minutes. So I look at something and say, okay, you know what, five minutes, that, that's pretty achievable. What you don't want to do here is set a goal that is, you know, you have next to no chance of succeeding in. So again, your goal is going to be smart. You're going to state it out loud. After you put your paper down, after you light your incense, after you call an error and use your words to express what you want error to do, you're going to fold up that paper with the process on the outside of it when you fold it. So, you know, turn it that if the words or the pictures are facing down, fold it up so you can still see the words or the drawings or whatever's on it after you fold it. You're going to keep this paper close by to you for the next several days. So in your pocket, under your pillow at night, um, maybe you spend some time meditating with it in your hand, you know, just keep it close by. And what you're going to find is that sometimes an idea might just come to you that resolves your problem. More likely than not, you're going to have to put some work in. Remember, magic doesn't replace work. It helps to propel things along. Maybe you need to dedicate time to better understanding where the process is breaking down. Or maybe you already know that and you need to schedule a brainstorming session to come up with new ideas to solve the problem. Doing the spell work ahead of time is going to open those doors for you and open your mind to make the work easier. Okay, so let's add a twist to the situation. We're going to change it up a bit. And now you still have this problem that you're tasked with solving, but it's a problem that you really don't care much about. You know, it's not important to you or it's not something that you would choose to do on your own. But here you are, you're faced with a situation and you're asked to fix it. You could still use the error spell, just like I talked about, to help you find solutions to the problem. But what else might you use to help out here? Well, I might call upon fire to help me out. Now, fire gives us that spark. It's what fuels our passions. It drives us and it feeds our will. And I might need some of that. I might really need to put some passion into this task, especially if I need to involve other people in the work as well. You know, we're all faced with situations where we have to do something at work that we really don't want to. And I'm not talking about something illegal or unethical. That's a whole different issue. I'm just talking about something that you don't like. Or maybe you don't even necessarily agree with, but you have to do it anyway. And you know what? This is life. These things happen. And unless you're independently wealthy and you don't need to work, this is a problem you're probably going to face at some point if you haven't already. So my boss wants me to lead a project that I'm just not that into. And on a side note, if you happen to be the boss, try to assign projects to people who are already passionate about them. You know, it's going to make everybody happier. It's going to make them happier going to make you happier and you're probably going to get a better result. But anyhow, that's not where we're at at the moment. Right now, we're tasked with solving a problem that we really don't care much about. So I might start by doing a fire spell to help 
spark that interest and that passion in the project for me. And a simple candle spell might do the trick. So I might make a sigil to represent the situation or project that I'm working on. Now, a sigil is just a combination of symbols that represent something, and it's something you can create on your own. If you're not familiar with sigil work, I highly recommend Laura Tempest Zakroff's book, Sigil Witchery, as a reference guide. She does a great job of walking you through it, helping you to create them on your own, talks about the symbolism, gives a lot of examples, and it's a lot of fun. So once I've created my sigil, I'm going to take a small red taper candle and carve my sigil into the wax using like, you know, a small pin or something. Then I'm going to light my candle in a safe area. And just like with the air spell, I'm going to speak a few words. This can be pretty simple. It could be as simple as I call upon fire to fuel my drive to complete this project, whatever the project is. And then I'm going to let the candle burn down and get busy on my project. So my advice is, unless you're doing like some complex multi-day candle spell, use a small candle because you want it to burn down all the way. You don't want to leave it unattended and you also don't want to have to be sitting there for hours watching over it. So use the smallest candle you can find. Okay, so next, let's bring a little bit of controversy into the situation. So perhaps we have found our solution, but we need buy-in for it. And in this case, we know that emotional buy-in is going to help. So what element could we use to bring emotion into the situation? I would use water for that. So again, we we need buy-in for our solution from certain key stakeholders. So generally in business or any other type of organization that you're in, we know that stories sell ideas. And stories that pull on the heartstrings are oftentimes more effective. Now, if that comes off as sounding manipulative to you, guess what? It is. Magic can be manipulative. You're influencing and trying to manipulate outcomes. Now, manipulation can have a very negative connotation to it, and there are certainly times that it's just plain wrong. You know, we don't manipulate others to take advantage of them when they're in a certain emotional state, and it's something that's harmful to them. But if you look at manipulation at its core, All it means is that we're influencing or attempting to influence the behavior or emotions of others and generally for our own purposes. Now, if you're not okay with that, then don't do this kind of magic. Also keep in mind, if you're not okay with that, would you be okay with this? Suppose you or, you know, your child or someone that you know, they have to write um, an essay for a scholarship application. And in that essay, they tell... um, maybe a hardship story that they've had. You know, why do we do that? Well, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we do it to play on someone's emotions. So there's just something to think about. And again, if you're not cool with this, then don't do this kind of magic. But let's go back to our problem for a minute, and then you can decide for yourself if this is an avenue that you might take. So if you go back to our problem, we had our problem, we found a solution, but now you need buy-in from the finance person at your company. So the finance person or maybe the finance committee, they're looking at all of the upcoming or potential upcoming projects for the year, and they need to decide which ones are going to be approved. So you're going to be presenting your project, your solution today, and there's several other projects, different projects that are also going to be on the table. And the finance committee or the finance person, again, has to decide which ones they're going to move forward with 
and which ones they're not because, you know, there's budgetary constraints. You can't do everything. So you have your presentation. It, everything is great. But you also have a life-changing story from a real-life person that you can tell or you can have them tell that's really going to drive the importance of your project home to the finance person. Do you use it? Well, if you want the upper edge and you want your project approved, more likely than not, you're going to use it because stories matter. Emotions matter. Is it wrong to use magic to soften someone up? Is it any more wrong than any other method of playing on someone's emotions? Again, I can't answer that for you, but if you, if you need this kind of magic, water is going to help you to do that. It's going to help influence the situation by influencing the emotions of other people involved. So what do you do if you are too emotionally attached to a problem or a situation? So what if we're in a situation where coming up with a solution really means being having to put our emotions aside for a moment? You know, we really got to put on our big kid pants and get the job done. Well, in this case, I might think about taking, say, a small pot of water, that pot of water representing my emotions, putting it on the stovetop and boiling the water. So why would I do that? Well, I have the water. Again, those are my emotions. And now I'm adding heat to it. So when we add heat to the water, it converts it to steam, which is closely tied to air. So it's taking our raw emotions, adding drive and purpose to them, and then converting them into ideas and action. It's moving us from a state of being controlled by our emotions, we're stopped in our emotions, you know, we're kind of frozen, we can't move forward, to simmering them down and moving on, moving forward, taking action. So what about earth energy? When would you use earth energy in this type of situation? Well, maybe you have your solution, but there's resources needed for you be, to be able to implement that solution. How could you work that into your magic? Or maybe what you found along the way is that there's some binding energy blocking part of the process and you need to fix that. Would you want to bring in more earth energy to that situation? Or do you need to find some releasing energy? So I'd like to challenge you for the next few days um, to really get your elemental magic stirring and your thought process stirring and be able to find ways to put all this into action. So at the end of each day, I want you to take stock in how your day was from a mental, emotional, spiritual, physical standpoint and write it down. Then I want you to think about what element or elements your day most likely would have been associated with. And then what could you have done? What elemental energy would you need to have countered some of that elemental energy that your day consisted of? What would you call in? Maybe you've had a day where you really felt, you know, kind of all up in your head. You know, you're mentally pulled in a hundred different directions. What could you do? You might want to bring in some earth energy. Doing a grounding exercise is going to help you take things down a notch. If you don't have time for a grounding exercise, you might want to hold a grounding stone. Now, I haven't really talked about stone correspondences and their energy, but all stones and crystals, they have energetic properties to them. And a quick rule of thumb is a stone that's dark or like black in color, so think like black tourmaline, onyx, something dark like smoky quartz, those are going to have grounding properties to them. So taking one of those and tucking them into your pocket might give you some of that grounding energy that you need, especially in a pinch. One thing that I noticed is I have trouble sleeping generally around a full moon whether it's from the extra light at night or whatever it is, doesn't matter. What I know is I have trouble sleeping 
And I also know that if I put a smoky quartz under my pillow, it helps. So again, over the course of the next few days, really take notice what your day consisted of. Try to, again, associate that with one of the elemental energies and think about what could you do to counter that energy or enhance that energy if you need and start making a list because you're going to come up with these things and you're going to come up with your own tips and tricks that in a pinch like you know having those stones available might be just what you need the, the primary other thing that i do is using the elements on my altar or in my working area i keep generally something that represents each of them in my space so for earth you could have something you could you know, a little bowl of dirt or stones, rocks, pebbles, sand, anything that's related to earth and that's from the earth, you can use to symbolize earth in your work. For water, that's easy. You know, just get a little cup or a little bowl of water. You know, it doesn't have to be from some sacred stream somewhere or the ocean. Take it right out of the tap, whatever you have available and is convenient for you. For air, I use incense. If you don't want to burn incense, um, you know, for health reasons or your living situation, just think of what else could symbolize air. Maybe something like feathers, those little like a little like handheld fan, anything that's representing the movement of air or again, maybe some animals that spend a lot of their time in the air. You can use that as your representation for fire. I often, you know, I have a small candle. If you don't want to burn a candle, get one of those little battery operated ones. Like you can get the little battery operated tea lights. They're, they're really, I mean, they're pretty cheap. You just need one but they're gonna represent fire for you. They, they light up and that's good enough. So that's something that I have on my altar or in my workspace almost all the time. And I spend a lot of time there. So I'm always calling in and surrounded by those energies. And when I'm surrounded by all of them, it's giving me that balance. And then when I'm having a day that I feel, you know, a little bit more energetic in one of the areas than the other, I can use something to counterbalance it. So there you have it. That's just a quick summary of how you can begin incorporating elemental magic into your everyday practice. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please follow Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft so you don't miss anything and share with a friend. Before you go, please be sure to go and check out the show notes. Find the link to my VIP list. When you get on my VIP list, you're going to get the free elemental cheat sheet. You're going to get my free recorded grounding exercise, and you're going to be first on the list to receive notification of any future offers and freebies that I put out there. Until then, have the most wonderful and magical day. <laughs>